Welcome to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rockin' good time in about 15 minutes with your buddies Tim, Treg, and Ryan. We're three old guys that are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktail Hour, we bring you our favorite stories behind the greatest rock and roll tunes of all times and other interesting musings about the music and the rockers who inspired us over the years. Rocktail Hour is an affiliate of Amazon.com, the online megastore that offers Earth's biggest selection. Hey, if you're going to buy stuff on Amazon, it would be cool if you would first click on the Amazon.com link on the Rocktail Hour homepage. And Amazon will kick a few bucks back to the Rocktail Hour from your purchases to fund the free podcast. Today, Ryan is going to bring us the story behind Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Can I just add a preface before you get into this? And that is that if there is anybody out there in the world who is listening to us who has not yet heard Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, boy. I would recommend that you stop the podcast, go find a good set of headphones and a dark room, sit down and listen to it beginning to end, because it is an experience. It's not an album. It's an experience. And you're right. And let me just tell you before. And where the hell have you been? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) I I was watching it. I was going to mention this in the podcast, too, but I was watching it. There's a great documentary on Netflix. Have either of you seen it? Uh -uh. It's just uh, the classic album series. It might have been released by VH1, I think. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, they, they interview, uh, you know, Roger Waters and uh, David Gilmour. And David Gilmour says one thing he really wishes he could do is he wishes he could sit down and listen to the album from start to finish as if it, he had never heard it before. Yeah. Like definitely. we all have. Yeah. yeah. And he says, I'll never have that, ex- that experience. Mm-hmm. But yeah, amazing album. And, and we couldn't just do a podcast on just one song. Okay. Yeah, we have to do the whole album because the album is, it's almost one continuous song anyway. Song. Yep. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I was going to tell you this. Can we take a moment of silence? I had never thought of that before, but let's take a moment of silence let's, for yeah. David Gilmore and the other members of Pink Floyd that they never got to hear it for the first time. Okay, let's, let's take Okay. <laughs> okay. And, and while we're having the moment of silence, I have to tell you this, this story. This is actually, um, this is going to happen. But um, the remaining members of Pink Floyd die and are standing in front of the pearly gates when St. Peter comes up and says, oh, hi, guys. This is what Peter, St. Peter sounds like, right. she didn't know. Hi, guys. <laughs> We've been expecting you. You're going to love it here. This is a great place. And did you know that we even have our own band? We have Elvis Presley singing. We have Jimi Hendrix playing guitar. Sinatra's on the piano. And Roger Waters, your old bandmate, is writing lyrics for us. <laughs> David Gilmore replies, Roger's here? When did he die? St. Peter leans over and whispers in his ear, it's really God, but he thinks he's Roger Waters. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to include that. I think it's... That's funny. That's fantastic. Yeah. Hey, Roger Waters says that the dark side of the moon was an expression of political, philosophical, humanitarian empathy that was desperate to get out. Okay, Roger Waters, I don't know if you know, he wrote all the lyrics. Mm-hmm. He exclusively, exclusively wrote 100%. Of the, of the, can I just tell player. you, there are times when I don't want to know why he wrote what he wrote, and sometimes I don't want to hear his pretentious musings about his music. Really? Yeah. I just, I just yeah, love yeah. Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, but, well, we're sorry. You're going to have to hear about the well, pretension. Yeah, well, actually, yeah, I probably won't give you very, very many because I want this to be focused on, on the music itself. And, you know, that you could go into a lot of the pretentious musings and the humanitarian, all this other stuff he talked about, his his depression over how life's terrible or whatever, and the government yeah. sucks. But, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. You know, I think, actually, he attributed the first songs. Speak to me, right? Yeah, it's instrumental. Yeah. He, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
he attributed that to Nick Mason. And later he said, yeah, that was a gift. I really did that. Really? <laughs> that was kind of funny. <laughs> what? <laughs> Which, <laughs> Nick Mason, the, the drummer? Yeah, he attributed well, Roger, the, the, in, on the album, it's attributed to Nick Mason. But oh, Roger, Roger Waters said that was sort of a gift to him. I really did. Yeah. You mean like the album, like the credit, the songwriting credits go to Nick Mason? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. But you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, the oh, first time. He's very the pretentious. The first yeah. time you oh, he heard. Really? <laughs> uh, no, I'm serious. Yes, very. Oh, he's out. Yeah, he's out of control. The first time I listened huh. to Dark Side of the Moon, I knew I was a different person from that moment on. And that, and that in itself sounds pretentious, but. You you didn't go backwards after hearing Dark Side of the Moon. That was a that was a life changing experience, is, yeah. and it is for everybody that hears it for the first time. And I had heard Money many uh, times, mm. you know. And, and I, I'll just tell you now that that is my favorite song. Oh, that is even close to my favorite song. It is or no? Not? I lo- I love that yeah. song, but it's not my even close to my favorite song on the album. Uh huh. What is, what is your favorite song? Well, Us and Them probably. Good one too. Yeah. I love that song, but you know, back in the day. Uh, here in Salt Lake City, there was that science fiction theater. And for years, they played um, the opening music to time up to the point where the alarm clock Uh Mm -hmm. went off. And for years, I didn't know that was Pink Floyd. So I'd heard money, I'd heard time, pieces of it. But then when I listened to that album start to finish for the first time, and I had headphones on, and I don't know that I was in a dark room, but I was in my bedroom lying on the bed, what a what an incredible thing that was! That was just amazing. It's perfection. Oh, it's musical it perfection. Is. I mean, you, there is no album more perfect than Dark Side of the Moon. Well, uh, it, I think it was Roger Waters in the interview does say that it is the perfect album. So just yeah, so well, you. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it must it must be then. I, I watched the documentary again. For so the, let it be written. The, so the, let the, it be done. I watched it for the third time today just to refresh my memory. But yeah, yeah. I, you know, I didn't get any sense of pretentiousness from him at all. Yeah, I've in seen fact, I've seen interviews with him. He's he, yeah, and read a lot of stuff. And because he's he very do, he does sing on some of the songs. He doesn't sing on every song. He, um, at least in his age now, he doesn't sing that well anymore. He couldn't sing. I'm trying to remember what song he was trying to sing, and uh, he couldn't sing in the high register anymore. He had to he had true. to lower yeah. it. And, mm-hmm. He wasn't a great singer in the day. David Gilmore was always a better singer than right. him. But mm-hmm. the Wall is an incredible album as well. But the only thing I would say about the wall is is that there are times when Roger Waters is singing and it gets really whiny. And to me, that sort of epitomizes him as a person. I, I have a hard time separating the, the whiny him singing and the person in real life, if that makes sense. And I love the wall. Hey, I love Pink Floyd. They are, to me, they are on any given day the greatest band in the world, right? Yeah. Every day, I think. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. It depends. It depends on if I if I get caught listening to, to Jethro Tull at just the right moment or, okay. you know, somebody yeah, else. Yeah, but, all right. I'm with you. You are? You know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. You guys are just Jethro Tull fanatics. Oh, love Jethro we are. Tull. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I don't mean to sabotage your, no, I don't your mind. podcast. Yeah. It's a conversational podcast. So go ahead. <laughs> well, do you know how long ago this album came out? Yeah. <laughs> no, I want to know if you know approximately looks the year. At 1973. How did you know? I absolutely know that. Wow. You're old too. No, it, okay, yeah, I am old, but and they started recording it in 1972. You are talking. You know that too. Like, yeah. see, you, you are, are talking to the two greatest Pink Floyd fans that ever were. Well, we're so, we're among the greatest, but we're I, not the well, greatest. We are the greatest. <laughs> okay, we, we are the greatest. Stop. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my David Bowie and and Beach Boy songs from now on <laughs> okay. because uh, you guys, I can't top you. I'm sorry. 
No, go. Yeah, but hear it what was. you got. We want tell to hear me what where, you got. where was it recorded? What studio was it recorded in? Abbey Road. Oh my gosh, you guys are incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it was recorded in London's Abbey Road Studios yeah. between May 1972 and January 1973, <sighs> which just seems like a long time because it didn't seem like these, you know. Yeah, the Beatles, yeah. the Beatles could record an album in a month, but maybe they don't. They didn't have the the sound. That and you know what? I paid for me. This is going to be high praise, but the Beatles never recorded an album that ever sounded like Dark Side of the Moon. Really? Well, uh, uh, Abbey Road is close to being as good, but not as good. One of the things that I think is amazing about this album is that they wrote it and performed it live before they went yeah. into the studio to record it. That is so cool. Yeah, and they performed it on the road for a long time. In fact, um, yeah, I, just a note I found. Uh, it said Pink Floyd were excited to be able to develop new material on the road, just perfecting it. But they were horrified, actually. I don't know if you know this. Maybe you do because you guys know everything about Pink Floyd. <laughs> but there was a bootleg of the album that was released before the actual album came out That's because right. they recorded the whole album live. They were, they were, they were not recorded. They were performing it live. I'd love to hear that. Oh, That'd be gosh. so cool. You know what? So someone actually took the recording, you know, a bootleg recording of this album and released it, artwork, full everything, and they believe it sold approximately or in excess of 100,000 copies before <laughs> wow. the actual album was released. Holy cow. Yeah, just think, just think of all the money they would have made if they could have. I know. How many sales did that prevent? <laughs> yeah. So they sold 51 million copies of the recorded one yeah. and 100,000 of the bootleg. <laughs> That you would gotta, really push him over the edge, wouldn't it? You, you Maybe they'd take, be better than Michael Jackson's. You guys are taking thriller. all my material, so you oh, know sorry, everything. Man. How many? <laughs> you, already, you already know how many albums it sold. I didn't even know. We know how long it was on the charts. Okay, well, tell me because I have that. I want seven hundred nineteen weeks. Actually, thought it was seven ninety one. Seven ninety one. It was over eight hundred weeks. Oh, was it? And yep. it kind of depends. Wait, on consecutive? How, uh, no, because oh, okay. Billboard had a time period where they stopped counting an album if it was over a certain amount of years old. Oh. And so for a long time, they stopped counting it. And then they billboard changed the way they collected their data. And all of a sudden, when they rearranged how they, uh, you know, their algorithm or whatever you want to call it, it was back on the charts again. Yeah. So, but yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, you know, officially over 800. And I remember hearing, you know, when it would get close to the bottom of the list, mm -hmm. people would go out and buy another copy of it. Really? Just so they could keep it on the list. Yeah. Now, so you know, a lot of people a, own two copies or more. We live in a different world now where people don't buy, you know, I don't know what people do now, our listeners, or what you guys do, but I don't buy digital. I mean, I don't buy physical copies mm -mm. anymore. I don't anymore I do either. some. If I um, like it a lot, I'll buy them. You know, maybe if disc. I like it a lot, I'll buy it, but it's been a long time since I bought. Everything I do is digital now, you know? And we need to get Spotify as a as a sponsor. But did you hear what Pink Floyd recently did with Spotify? Mm -mm. The, Pink Floyd said if we can get over a million listens of Wish You Were Here, they would put their entire catalog on Spotify. And they did it. I'm on it. Cool. We, no, we talked about this Sweet. in a podcast before, but one of the reasons they didn't want to release their stuff like on iTunes uh, and sell them that way is because they felt like their work had more integrity um, as an entire album. Yeah. And, and and to take a song away outside of the album and listen to it out of context um, took away from its impact and, and its um, yeah, and they don't want to, artistic integrity. And yeah, I, they don't, I want, like they don't want people picking and choosing yeah. songs, well, it's they, like singles. They yeah. might be like Metallica, because doesn't Metallica right. only, if you buy something in digital from them, you have to buy the whole album. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know if iTunes has the entire, entire albums of Pink Floyd or not, or even if you can buy singles. Yeah. But on Spotify, you know, you can just listen to a whole album or... 
But that's incredible. You, you know, I'll go in and look for an album that I really liked when I was younger. You can't find it. You know, maybe you can go to, you you can go to a used place and and buy them. And I will say in answer to your question, if I didn't already have a CD of Dark Side of the Moon, um, or if, if I I lost it or it broke or whatever, I would buy another, uh, I would buy another copy. Yeah. They just released a 40, I think the 40th anniversary edition that has, uh, you know, a whole extra bonus disc of all this extra stuff too, yeah. you know, live versions and stuff. And I was just listening to that with my kids, you know, when my kids are uh, 11 and 13, you know, the, the generations and generations listening to Pink Floyd. Oh, both my, my boys will listen to it. My kids love Pink yep. Floyd. Both my yeah, boys will awesome. listen to Pink Floyd and it doesn't matter what album it is. They'll listen to it. They love it. And both of my boys have completely different musical tastes than each other and quite a bit different than myself. So... I just checked iTunes, and you can download individual tracks of Dark Side of the Moon. I'm kind of depressed about that. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can see, yeah, and they have the remaster version I see on there yeah. now. So, um, yeah, you know, whatever. There's not really, it's better in its entirety, you know. No doubt. I've never, ever listened to the CD or digitally and say, I'm going to start with money and or or randomize it. Yeah. Like I do other stuff. Sometimes I listen to some other uh, a Doors CD and I'll, I'll randomize it. But you got to hear it from start to beginning. Yeah. Yep. Especially if you sync it up with Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys do your That's homework? An excellent transition. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. You know, I did. I, you asked us to watch that on YouTube and and I got about 10 minutes into it and two things. It it I lost my interest. Okay, first of all, I'm surprised you had never done this before. I had heard about it, and I didn't give it a whole lot of credibility. And I have to say, I didn't make it through the whole thing. But I didn't. I, it didn't. It didn't speak to me. Oh, now there's a pun. <laughs> okay, go. right. Uh, it just didn't work for me. I didn't see it, and yeah. maybe I got to go farther. But if I got to yeah. go more than ten, fifteen minutes into it to get it, uh-huh. then did it put you on the run? Great. <laughs> I, I watched. I, I, I saw the website where maybe it was a, condensed. Maybe a it's bit. a debate between us and them. <laughs> Could be. It's all about money. Right. I, I, I looked at the, uh, right, at the website. Down, breathe. <laughs> you better shut up again or some brain damage. <laughs> oh. Ah, ladies and gentlemen, we're here all week. <laughs> I checked out the website, that, the thing on YouTube where they would slow down the album for where there were parts where they wanted you to see yeah, where it was right. there was a connection and then they would speed up the sound and the movie until the next part mm. and i felt like that was a little blasphemous oh. I, I, I sat through it well, though i watched you know it. i gave you that version because that was the uh, the you know reader's digest version yeah. of instead of if you hadn't have you ever seen the whole thing have you no, ever done not that? all the way through okay mm-hmm. you know and maybe it's something that some of the the older fans like you guys <laughs> haven't done you know, it was an 80s thing because I remember, you know, doing that. Well, maybe not 80s, maybe early 90s. I don't remember doing mm-hmm. that. But, you know, I'd, I'd be curious to hear some of the listeners if they want to post on our Facebook page or send us an email what they think about that. Pink Floyd, I don't know if they've ever, I could not find really any comments whether they've never said, yes, we did sync up Wizard well, of Oz with there's this. A, there's an interview with Nick Mason. and he's. It's so funny to hear these guys talk when they're older because they're so proper English and it just blows your mind that yes. these guys were Pink Floyd <laughs> at one time. Well, they're very rich now. Right? They've been rich for a long time. And it's just like 
no, I, I don't see that there was any connection between the song. I think it's kind of funny. It, it amuses me that people will say that we sync it up with Wizard of Oz and that there was any connection. Garbage day is on Tuesday. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like... But he did. He, he totally debunked it. He said, you know, if you take an album and you play it against any film, uh, you can find any number of connections if you watch it long enough. And, yeah. Well, so, and that's really true. Uh, yeah. I was thinking about that when I was kind of doing some research on this. But my, my kids and I will often uh, watch a, turn on a football game, turn down the sound, and put on classical music. Oh. It's hilarious. <laughs> you can find lots of, you know, boings and dings and zoops yeah. as they're, uh, you know, doing their... You know, it would be better if we put it like cartoon, like a soundtrack yeah, right, for a cartoon right. as they're playing football. Yeah. Well, and truthfully, I had heard that Roger Waters actually wrote the book Wizard of Oz. <laughs> that, really? <laughs> in, in the, you know, in the 1800s. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Roger Waters is denied. I think he said that it was amusing, the idea that he had written this fantastic album against Wizard of Oz to sync up. Yes. And the producer, Alan Parsons, said he didn't know anything about that, and he's the one who who produce the album I, I would think if anybody was going to try and it was going to make sure that it synced up to the movie that would have to yeah. be the producer yeah. is this alan parsons of the alan parsons it is. project yeah, it well is. no wonder alan parsons project always sounds like pink floyd to me oh, you didn't know <laughs> i didn't know that i schooled yeah. you on pink you floyd did. there you go nice <laughs> not mark i didn't that, know no, that that's art. interesting yeah it is yeah, yeah. It's cool um and actually you really have to go watch this documentary on netflix it's really cool and alan parsons is on there he has his multi-track recorder and still has all the original you know, individualized tracks. And it's cool. He'll be like, okay, look, here's, um, here's the girl singing on great gig in the sky Great gig in the sky. Yeah. And he'll, you know, here's the part of them, um, doing the one part and then he'll put on the harmony. He, he, he messes with the tracks to show you how just amazing all the vocals were and, and, and how they used, um, some old synthesizers to do that part in the beginning. Oh, it's really cool. It was just some simple notes they played. And then they would speed it up. You know, they were kind of really ahead of their time with all oh, the yeah. synthesizer stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think they were going to master it to be released as a quadraphonic album. And, and Alan Parsons. I don't, know, I don't know what that is. Well, you got stereo out of two channels. Right. Quadraphonic okay. would be four separate channels that you could listen to. Are there such albums? I, sure. I sure. Don't know. You can you can get now a five point one. Well, I've heard those. Oh, you, you can get you can get a, a super audio CD which has five point one channels mm-hmm. of dark side or a, I yeah. know there's a, a, dark, a dark side. side yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But they, but when they did that, they didn't use Alan Parsons' original quadraphonic release oh, of it. So there he is was kind of bitter about that too. So is there? Can you buy the quadraphonic? I, I've never heard that you can buy it. Do you know? Do you know of other albums that were quadraphonic? Yeah, because I don't know of any. Mm, was Quadrophenia? That's what I'm wondering. I'll bet Alan Parsons' project did some quadraphonic because you can hear it in the sound of of their music that it was meant to also you know, whoosh around you like. That's kind of funny because I always thought that Alan Parsons was just sort of a bad knockoff of Pink Floyd. Oh, oh really? <laughs> it's just hilarious. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little chagrined to now find that out. <laughs> Do you know how long it was number one on the um, album charts? Mm, now I don't know how long it was number one. I didn't know it ever went to number one. Yeah, just for one week, actually. So yeah. For, right. It was only, only number one for one week. But you guys kind of already alluded to this earlier, but I was going to tell the listeners too that you know, despite selling over 45 million copies, it's kind of, it's sandwiched between two other great albums. And you mentioned one. I saw, I know you know. Michael Jackson? Michael Jackson Thriller is the number one album of all time sold. Whitney Houston's <laughs> no. album. No, that's the single. Uh, we it, talked about It depends about upon that. the chart that you look at. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Does it, I mean, yeah. And, and um, we, this is from. We talked about that and that was a single. 
that Whitney Houston was like up there. I, I will always love you. No, no, I'm talking bodyguard. About, I'm talking about full oh, full five. albums, not just singles. But okay. um, so it goes: Michael Jackson, Thrill, or Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Then third is Eagles. Oh, yeah. greatest hits, 1971 through mm. 1975. See, it's you can never get a straight answer. That's one thing that's is frustrating it? about how many albums were actually sold because some some charts will show um, ACDC. Back in Black in the top five. It, and this Some is will the show top Whitney five, Houston the one I in the top five. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. it kind of depends. So you oh, can, gosh, you I can see what you can find. We will never do Whitney Houston on this song, <laughs> on this podcast. Excuse me. Never. I'll never say never. <laughs> I won't be here. <laughs> well, I found an interesting fact that I bet Tim, I bet Tim doesn't know. Do you know what famous movie? Okay, wait. I know Craig this. knows. Craig let me knows. See if I, know. I know this. Okay, Don't well, give it. What what famous movie? Oh, I want to. If he knows, I want to see if he knows. What famous movie did Pink Floyd help fund with with their money? What? Tell me. Do you know it? Do you Tim? know? Tim should know. I do. When you tell me, give me a second. While you're thinking, when while they were recording this album, the stu- they said that during the studio in the studio there was two things that would frequently interrupt their recording sessions. It was soccer or Monty Python. It was the, the Holy, Holy Grail. Grail. Yeah, exactly. I did know that. <laughs> yes. I just read that. Yeah, they, they yeah. helped. They helped. Yeah, they actually used yeah, that. Yeah, right. they, they were huge fans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. I oh, thought that was yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah, Eric Idle was was friends with the Beatles, and you know there was that was that all roads lead back to the Beatles, back in the day instead of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. <laughs> Every, everybody, everybody six famous de- led back to the Beatles. But yeah, I had. Yeah, that's right. They they financed the Holy Grail. And do you know what? That makes me love the album even more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought it would. I didn't yeah. know if you would knew that, but I knew you were a big I Holy Grail I did know Grail that, fan. but it just, ah, you said that, and then I drew a complete blank. One of the things that I really love about this album is that it starts with a heartbeat, and it ends with a heartbeat. And it's, um, my understanding is that it was meant to be sort of life. You know, life begins. Time is about the, the drudgery of every day, watching the clock. Uh, you've got uh, money which was a little bit tongue-in-cheek about how the world is obsessed, obsessed by money mm-hmm. and excess. Yeah. Uh, you've got uh, brain damage, exploring the ideas about insanity. Yeah, uh, and that was and, that was written about Sid Barrett. Wasn't wasn't the, the whole album sort of dedicated to Sid Barrett, written on sort yeah. of on his behalf? I'm not sure if the whole album was, but I know that like songs like Brain Damage were. Yeah. Shine on your crazy diamond was about Sid that Barrett, song is right? yes ex- yep. didn't we talk about that that's wish you were here no no sh- no you're right shine on your crazy diamond is yeah, written it is sure. about it is about he was Sid the crazy Barrett. diamond no yep. I'm saying that's on wish you were here not this album well right yeah I'm it's not well, on this album I'm no just no saying. no yeah I knew that uh, some little tidbits about just some of the individual songs in the album like us and them it's the longest song on the album and it it's you know some people say it's one of the best. You, one it's of you beautiful. mentioned, oh, yeah, yeah uh, you know it's seven minutes plus. That was originally written by Wright uh, as an instrumental sequence for a, a feature film called Zabriskie Point. Mm. I did not know that, but it was rejected by the director because it was too sad. <laughs> <laughs> How stupid were you? Yeah. <laughs> Brain damage was inspired by the mental breakdown of, of Floyd founding member Sid Barrett. Waters began working on the version of it that was to become brain damage when the band was recording uh, Metal, the 1971 Metal album. And it and was originally he, entitled, entitled Lunatic. And Eclipse, too, right? They call that essentially brain damage, too. Um, the dramatic drum fill before Waters, who sings lead on that track, delivers the, um, the impassioned rundown. You know, he's singing, you know, all that you give, deal, buy, steal, create, destroy, you know, but the sun is eclipsed by the moon. 
and it goes back to the album's beginning with the final sounds of the of the, the synthesized heartbeat yeah from speak to me this album is so cool in its use of different types of sounds that they worked in like money you know the 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 coins clanging into the into the jar and the and the the paper shuffling mm-hmm. uh, like a like a money sorting machine i guess yeah or the clocks on time yeah. very cool use of effects like that i don't like money no you know no, a lot of people i mean don't. i don't hate it but i it's so different from the rest of the from the rest of the album to me it sounds different and and it and it feels like it's um, out of place to See, me. It's because of the pink, the, the, the Wizard of Oz. It's when it changes into color. Oh, <laughs> See? Yes. Well, now it all go comes, back to conspiracy. It all comes theory. full circle now. Right, right. There you right. go. It's just not my favorite. I I don't dislike it. I, you know, would never turn it off if it came on the radio. But I disagree. I think it's great. Okay, I, I do too. But I I do know a lot of people who do not like yeah. that song. It is their least favorite song. Yeah. I think it's just because it was overplayed. That that would be the reason I would think. So do we agree that? Um, this is the best Pink Floyd album? It's no. my favorite Pink Floyd album. Well, I'd put it probably number three, actually. Really? really? Of the top three albums of all time, it's number three. Pink Behind Floyd albums of all time. Of all all, all albums. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd say Wish You Were Here first, The Wall second, That's interesting. Dark Side of the Moon third. I would do it in just the exact opposite order. It's almost like which arm is your favorite or which finger, but yeah, you know, yeah, I true. can see that. But I would put I it's... would put Dark Side of the Moon because Dark Side of the look if or, Dark or Side like... of the Moon is perfection, then is is Wish You Were Here perfection? It is. The Wall is not perfection. It's like asking Tim what his favorite kind of pizza is. Yeah, <laughs> he likes the yeah, Wall. That's right. They're all great. The Wall is not perfection, and I think we have to agree on that. It's got some flaws, but it's a great look. When I say that, I don't want any emails saying that Tim was dissing the Wall. I love The Wall. I think it is an incredible album. But if you're going to talk about music perfection, it's The Dark Side of the Moon. And then I would put um, Wish You Were Here second. And then I would then I would say The Wall, uh, as far as Pink Floyd. Um, as far as greatest albums of all time, I would put Dark Side of the Moon right up at the top. You know, another thing that's really cool about this album is how they have... Um those interviews, you know, the little portions of interviews, people speaking interspersed yeah. during the songs. What a clever thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand that, that they actually took people from the studio, roadies and, you know, just people hanging around the studio, and they would interview them. And, and the, the speaking that you hear through the album are the answers to interesting questions that they had asked them. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. wow. Like, uh, what, what would you do if, uh, like, if you got into an automobile accident? And then, and then there's a portion of the of the album where it says something like, "I would give him a short, sharp shock." Yeah, that was an answer to that oh, question. Cool. Yeah, uh, there was another one. I don't remember what the question was, but you know, there's someone who says, "Oh, I don't know. I was really drunk at the time." Right? Mm-hmm. These are all just I'd love to interviews know what the question with people. Was when I they know. said, "I've always been mad. I've always been mad." <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's pretty cool if you mm-hmm. if you if you listen to them really closely. Have you ever listened to the the very end of Eclipse? You can hear Ticket to Ride. Have you heard this before? I've, I no, I've never heard it. I don't remember ever hearing it. No, if I just remember I, there there is no dark side of the moon really. But right, but and then it's, I it's don't remember. Sh- shortly after that, it's the very end, like you know, within the last thirty seconds of the album. You have to crank it up, and I I did this, and you can find YouTube clips where people have done this too, so you can hear it. You hear um, a very faintly in the background, uh, "Ticket to Ride" playing. Oh wow, that's and, cool. And there's there. No one's really sure how that happened or why, but it was some kind of a crossover in in the recording process in, the, in the studios. So I remember in the uh, 
early 2000s, I think, Roger Waters played Dark Side of the Moon in full on mm-hmm. tour. Uh, early boy, 80s? Incredible. 2000s. Early oh. 2000s. Gotcha. And boy. It, Roger Waters then? Yeah. Yeah. It was just incredible. Saw that. And he could sing it. I, yeah. I oh. sat right behind the soundboard and it was just awesome. One hmm. of the greatest shows I've ever, Did ever seen. Did either of you seen, have you ever seen Pink Floyd live in concert in their entire, you know, as a full mm-hmm. band? I've just seen Roger Waters. Not the whole band. Yeah, I just wonder. I was curious. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we haven't even really talked about this, but the feud between the band members um, where Roger Waters, uh, after he left the band, that the, the remaining members wanted to continue on right. with the mm-hmm. name. And he says, hey, I'm Pink Floyd. If anybody's Pink Floyd, you can't continue to use it. And well, David Gilmore, since David Gilmore had came in later. Yeah. And, and David Gilmore is saying, hey, I've spent my entire career playing for Pink Floyd. I'm not going to start all over again. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Pink Floyd, Sands, Roger Waters was out playing tours yeah. and doing very well and making albums. And one of the things, incidentally, that really made Roger Waters angry is that they, uh, they brought in a producer for momentary lapse of reason. They brought in the Pink Floyd producer because when they did the original um, mix of it, it didn't sound Pink Floyd enough. Mm-hmm. And that just made him extremely angry. Part of the, you know, deepened the roof uh, between them. Yeah. And then um, my, my understanding is that his, when he toured Dark Side of the Moon in the mid-2000s, it was in answer to Pink Floyd because they were out playing, uh, you know, all the old classics and, right. and all the old hits, and he wanted to one-up them. And, and you know, originally when, when Roger Waters went solo, he was not getting attracting crowds at all. No, yeah. I, I didn't even know he went. He yeah, did that. he had yeah. a terrible. Um, what was the Hitchhiker album that he did? The Rules of Hitchhiking. Yeah, some... just side the Hitchhiker album. Right. It's the hit anyway. It's the Hitchhiker right. album and um, with the naked woman on the cover. That's right. And it was awful. There was uh, one or two one songs that cut, were listenable, yeah. but it was it was just awful. So there's no wonder he wasn't doing well. But I would say. And, you know, I'm not standing up for Roger Waters, but I would say Roger Waters is Pink Floyd. And let me tell you, because in the album, they refer to the main character as Pink, right? Right. And Pink is clearly Roger Waters. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah. yeah, Roger Waters is Pink Floyd. But if he's not going to be in the band, I want the rest of the band to be Pink Floyd. How's that? some Some of the irony of that, too, is that, you know, Roger Waters was just angry that he was playing small crowds when Pink Floyd was drawing tens of thousands and yeah. playing stadiums. And and after a while, I think he kind of cooled off a little bit about that because he thought, they're playing my songs. You know, these people that I don't like anymore, they are playing my songs and they have to pay me to be yeah. able to use those. Yeah. And, and I think eventually, you know, after he did the Dark Side of the Moon tour and certainly after Roger Waters played The Wall, I think he's he's easily bringing in as, as many fans or more than, well, than the old than the Pink Floyd. When was the last time Pink Floyd released an album that was okay? Maybe when was the last time Pink Floyd released an album that w- anybody said, "Oh, Pink Floyd." It's been a few well, years. Divisionville. Yeah, I, which I thought was okay. Yeah, ninety early nineties. Oh, yeah. Okay, early nineties is what I'm saying, and they haven't really toured as Pink Floyd for how no, long? It's since then. They've been they've been touring quite a bit, I think. Well, you sure don't hear about him the way you hear about Roger Waters, True. is what I'm saying. Right, right. They've been touring as Pink Floyd? I mean, not throughout the world, but, huh. you know, there have been tours of Pink Floyd. So I've, I've just seen him on TV. Oh, okay. I know David Gilmore does his own thing. He had a solo album out a few years ago. Some of that music yeah. is really good. Yeah, yeah it is yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Some of that is just, 
is is as good or better than a lot of Pink Floyd's original stuff. It sounds a lot like Pink Floyd. Yep. Yeah. Which really goes to show you that that he really had much more of an influence than 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 Roger Waters gives him credit would give him credit for. Yeah. Well, you know, they didn't meet, they didn't reach a lot of mainstream success until like Dark Side of the Moon. Exactly. And that's when uh, David Gilmour was in. You know. Yep. Sid Barrett was out. David Gilmour was in. And they reached a lot of success, more success than they ever had. And and again, it was the beginning of the end. Just like right. so many bands, you know, yep, they exactly. get popular, they make a lot of money, they're drawing huge crowds, and they just can't handle the attention yeah. the way that they well, used to. Do you know why they broke broke up and what the what the real conflict was? I you know I my understanding is and this is just based on some things that I've read. Roger you, Waters was a prima kind of a prima donna. You know he 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 was a genius, but he does not play does not play well with others necessarily. You know so he he writes Dark Side of the Moon, and it's enormously popular and it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And he writes The Wall, and it's brilliant and it's incredible. And uh, and then he does uh, the final cut, which was yeah. not brilliant, awful, <laughs> right? yeah. awful. But that was that was like a that was like a Roger Waters solo album, right? And yep. I think it was just they just stopped meshing together together very well. And then when he split off, and the rest of the band wanted to name themselves Pink Floyd, and and when it was actually his music, and mm-hmm. you know he was in essence the the reason yes. that they were so good and so popular because of those four incredible albums. And earlier I said that Roger Waters was whining on the wall, and there were times when he was. There was there was imperfect moments in that album that where where parts of that album weren't as strong as others. But the real problem with Final Cut was the absolute whininess of Roger Waters. There was, and it was so, that was, it was so pretentious. Ladies and gentlemen, Reagan and Haig. You know, it was just awful. <laughs> you know, it was it was almost unlistenable. And um, I think this is a real cautionary tale for anybody that has aspirations to to become a famous musician or a rock band. Look, Roger Waters is a genius, and he he wrote, the dark side of the moon and let's give him all credit for that yeah but that album is not the longest selling album of all time without all four members of those band yeah they are not successful in any way shape or form to the extent that they were successful without all four members and you take away an element of that magic and all of a sudden it doesn't matter who gets credit for what yeah you're not as good as you were anymore yeah, and sometimes true. you suck yeah right and I, I would just say, you know, put your ego aside. Give yourself credit for writing a brilliant, beautiful album. But remember, it took four people to do that. Well, it took more than that. Definitely. You know, all the producers and, right. the, and all the people behind the scenes. But you do not have that success without the, the, the key elements of that talent that was just magical when it was all together. So can I finish with a, a final Roger, Roger, Roger Waters quote? Please. Yeah. He said, when speaking of at the end of the documentary, speaking speaking of the album as a whole, what does it all mean? What is the Dark Side of the Moon as a whole piece? And it, <laughs> this may show you how pretentious he is. Okay, we're going to go back to he is a little pretentious. What does it all mean? Arguably everything and nothing. <laughs> and therein lies the true genius at the heart of the Dark Side of the Moon. What a dork. Awesome. <laughs> what a dork. <laughs> That's fantastic. What a dork, but thank you for that album, and yeah. thank you for oh. all the great music. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, Ryan. Uh, 
Rocktail Hour listeners, please email us at dudes at rocktailhour.com if you think we got it all wrong, if you have an interesting Rocktail Hour of your own, or if you have recommendations of a song that would be a good subject for the Rocktail Hour. If you think we're lame, well, as always, please just keep that to yourself. Please follow us on Facebook and Twitter and rate us on iTunes. And until the next Rocktail Hour, rock on. Rock on.